everyone. Welcome to Creatures, Crips, and Creeps, brought to you by the Mountain Lore Research Society. I'm Annie. I'm Josh. And I'm Michael, and we're here to bring you the haunts, folklore, and spooky history of the Appalachian Mountains. Hey everyone, welcome to episode three of our podcast. We're going to go ahead and dive right on in because the water's just fine. It's all about the Lake Shawnee Amusement Park and the history and spooky tales that go with it. But beware, you must be this tall to ride. The history of Lake Shawnee Amusement Park begins in the 1700s. It's located near Princeton in Mercer County, West Virginia, and the property was inhabited by the Shawnee tribe for quite some time. Okay, so I have a hard time picturing like Indians in West Virginia. I don't know why, because you got like the Mayflower on one side and you got like the Wild West <laughs> on the other. <laughs> it's like the Appalachian Mountains just don't exist. But those are two completely different times, though. That's true. I'm aware of that fact. And I know, like... Well, I mean, this history starts closer to, like, Mayflower, you know, interactions with Native Americans. I'd say, um, let's see, let me look here. They could have been here for God knows how long before that, but that's just what the, the artifacts that were found... Like, they found everyday stuff, like bracelets and clothes and tools and that sort of stuff when they started um, excavating the area. Um, But it pointed to them being there. Like, this was just kind of where they lived. There's also, like, all kinds of stuff across West Virginia. Like, we have burial (laughs) mounds. I know, but I just seem to block that out for some reason. There's literally a town around, well, it's north of here, called Moundsville. (laughs) (laughs) But speaking of burial mounds, there was um, a mass grave uncovered on the land where Lake Shawnee Amusement Park was I mean, the it still exists. You can go visit, but. Um, and the article said there was like about 3,000 people, like. Oh, in that one mass grave. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't. That's a lot. <laughs> uh, so one of the things I read said that it was possibly the flu that wiped out a large amount of people in a short amount of time. And that's why it was a mass grave compared to like regular burials that they would have. Right. Yeah. And there's a couple other stories on our Facebook that I posted for the speak of the day that I have to deal with like towns just being a, like disappearing. Yeah. I mean so, the whole, what is it? Roanoke? Roanoke in Virginia. Yeah. Roanoke, and I think it was like Royal West Virginia was the one that I posted the other day. Yeah. Like I wonder if that's like the same. It, it's, it seems to point to, like these mass disappearances in history seem to point to what's most likely just a flu or like, like a plague. Pandemic. Yeah, like a plant, but like COVID. <laughs> <laughs> Except we all know each other now. But the weirdest part of the story is it's not the burial ground and like the fact that Native Americans were here that really has anything to do with the story. That's just the history of it. Like, yeah. Okay. So if we move on with the history. Um, in the late 1700s, uh, 1775, um, Mitchell and Phoebe Clay and their 14 children were the first English settlers in the area. That's Gosh, very Could you song. imagine having 14 children? We had two. <laughs> two is too many. <laughs> <laughs> but 
Um, they have to stay warm during the winter. Right, right. That's what was happening. But so they moved here with their 14 kids within uh, more proof that the Shawnee inhabited this area is that while they were living there, um, eight years later, two of their children, um, Tabitha and Bartley, were murdered on the property. And then a third child, Ezekiel, was kidnapped, taken to Ohio, and then burned at the stake there. Sorry bad enough he's in Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think... Small joke. Chillicothe, specifically, like... Um, so, and it, like, the article goes on to say, like, Mitchell Clay, like, went crazy and, like, went revenge on the Shawnee and killed several of them. He did, because... Like, tracking them down. I mean, him and other, like... But they tracked them. That's how they found um, Ezekiel, actually, as they were in the process of tracking them because they kidnapped him, and then he just went, like, ape shit on the ones he found. Um... Uh, <laughs> Ironically, something else that doesn't contribute to the hauntings here is that um, those three children were buried on the same land that the amusement park stands on now. And they erected a memorial, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and you can still see that today, I'm pretty sure. And then it goes on to, like, talks about, like, later on, like, in the early 1900s, 1926 specifically, is what it says here, is... Conley T. Sendow Sr. That's just like a weird name in general. Um, he like he got the land. It doesn't say how he got it, whether he borrowed it. It just says acquired. Like he made he bought it. it. He purchased yeah. it. Um, he wanted to create a like a tourist attraction type thing, like a destination for people to go. Like what says fun like an Indian burial ground and a site where children were murdered? Well, here's the thing. They didn't know about this history until much later. And we'll kind of, as we go like chronologically through this, I'll tell you when they got to that point. But um, Snido actually like, without knowing the history of the area, he purchased it. It was a good area to build, you know, Carnival rides. Um, you just like, so look they, at all this land. Right, yeah. So Lake Shawnee actually gets its name. I mean, the Shawnee people were from that area, but the lake is man-made. There was mm-hmm. a lake and a pond on on the, the land there. What? Okay, well, I want to correct myself. It doesn't say exactly when he acquired the land. Um, I read a little bit ahead and combined the two, <laughs> two parts. He did. He opened the park in 1926. Yeah, the Lake Shawnee Amusement Park opened its doors in 1926. It included things like Ferris wheel, swings, a man-made lake, like Annie said, racetrack, and even uh, cabins for overnight visits. Mm-hmm. Um, but those things uh, <laughs> couldn't overshadow what happened later. Um, there was a death in the 1950s. Sexual deaths. Right. That's true. Um, there was a girl who died on the swings when a delivery truck backed into her. That's just like, that's terrible right there. It's like, oh, you know, like the delivery truck, why does it, were the swings not marked? Like, you know, hey. It was delivering drinks to the park. And they just, I guess, weren't paying attention to how close they were to the ride. But who puts 
like a swing set near like a delivery area. That was the 50s. This is why we have things set up the way we do now. It's, it, we're, oh, you got to think, it's like 70 years later. We've learned from the mistakes. Um, there were also, so there was a boy who drowned in the lake. He got stuck in a drain pipe. And there was actually another boy who drowned on the property in the pond. Those were two separate areas. And actually the the lake wasn't made for swimming. It was meant for like more like fishing or like boating, that sort of type thing. So I'm glad you read that part, the part about the drain pipe because like the article we, or I wouldn't really say article, it's and this is research paper. <laughs> I, I did. I, I will, we should post the research paper because I feel very proud of this. <laughs> I kept reading getting struck by a drain pipe for some reason. <laughs> no. I was like, some fish just swim along and be like, motherfucker, you're in my pond, smack. That's, yes, that is how that went down. The fish took revenge, got it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, Snido ended up closing the park in the 19, in 1967, mostly because of these events kind of gave the park like a bad reputation. It was just hard for them to get people to keep coming with what had happened there and you would think like after that it would just be like done like the amusement park would just be done but no mr gaylord white decided to reopen it in 1985 like, was a former employee of the park yeah yeah, yeah and former employee so um and it says here like quote another hopeful owner well he was he was hopeful for you know he had enjoyed the park he had worked there he knew what he'd gone there as a child. I mean, it was open for 40 years before from 26 to 67, you know, oh, okay. so it wasn't like it, it had had a big impact on the area. It just wasn't profitable for Snyder to keep it open, but white saw the opportunity and he bought the land. What's, what's even better. Uh, Gaylord had a son that he named gay. Just gay. Just gay white. <laughs> anyway, okay. Another tangent that we want to Sorry, got off a little, got a little off track. We're, we're, we're children, right. in, in case you didn't know. Okay. So he reinstalled the Ferris wheel on the swing rides. And the interesting part to this is the swings that he bought for his reopened park were the original swings that were there. When, when the girl got hit. Yeah. They actually, they found them in like New Jersey or something. They were like looking for rides to put back into the park, bought these. And when they got it back to the park, checked the, um, like the codes on them and they were the same. So it was kind of like this weird homecoming for the swings. And those are actually like, if you look at pictures, those are the swings that are there now. I want to go visit this place. Yeah. Um, it's open for like i think you can contact them and set up like i don't know that you have I, you might have to pay to go visit they do um they do stuff in around halloween too mm -hmm. they do they open it up and they make it it's like a creepy carnival type thing like i think i looked at it there a couple of weeks ago when we first started putting this together like yeah. ideas of places to go and i think it doesn't open up until like april or may for tourists Mm -hmm. because, I guess because of the season and it like where yeah. is the town with the cars it is kind of it's hard to get to because it's it's near Princeton it's mm -hmm. not like oh you go to Princeton in Mercer County it's like out in the woods it's hard to find 
which would be a red flag for any amusement park for me. It's like, we're going back into the boondocks to go on a Ferris wheel with some swings. I mean, uh, even, you gotta think, even in the 80s, that was probably fine. It was like, think of it as like a, a permanent carnival ride. It's a wild time. Well, uh, well, you know, though, the reason they, they ended up shutting it down, they were only open for like a year, like actual season they had it open. Um, before they started trying to find other uses for the land, which is what brings us full circle here in a second. But they were they ended up shutting down the rides and the the park again because they couldn't afford the insurance on it. Yeah. It just got too expensive to operate. And then they switched it for like mud so like mud bogs and fishing tournaments. Which when they started prepping the land for mud bogs is how they discovered the burial ground and um, all the artifacts. So that kind of brings it full circle with the history of the place. Jimmy John, gun it. And then, then there goes some bracelets. <laughs> <laughs> I, they actually, they didn't end up bringing in, um, they didn't complete the mud bog track because it was almost as soon as they started like clear it, like bulldozing, mm. whatever. They started finding artifacts and they were like, oh, hey, we need to get somebody in here to see this stuff. So they actually had people come in from um, Marshall University okay. in Huntington. So, well, that pretty much, like, that's the history of this place. Um, since we are kind of a spooky podcast, we do have, this place is considered haunted. Yeah. Um, there are been some few sightings. We're going to talk about a few of those. Um, the girl on the swings is the most frequent, probably. Yeah, yeah. Um. She said to play with an owl on one of her swings. It will sway. Uh, the curiously stops as the girl's lost interest, as a kid would with a toy. Right, yeah. So it's like, even if there's no breeze or anything, this toy will move. Right. And then it just, it'll just stop, like drops. And, like, the swing that is said to be active isn't the one that she died in. Because they have that marked by, like, a red ribbon. Mm-hmm. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> Girl died here. Right, right. Well, and honestly, I, I think it's weird that like, how would they know exactly which swing it was on this right. swing that was here on this property, got shipped to another amusement park, and then ended back there? How yeah. how would they know that that's the exact swing she was on? Maybe she did die on the one with the owl. Right, right. And uh, like it says, uh, she also appeared to the former owner, Gaylord Wright, while he was on a tractor in a nearby field one day. He left it there. Yes, her, yeah, that was a story. Um, I think one of the websites I went to, uh, it was the Register Herald website, had a story about Shawnee Lake, and they did an interview with um, the White family. Oh, okay. And one of the sons said that told that story that his dad had just left it in the tractor, and yeah. it's been there ever since in the '90s. They just left it there. Right. Um, the other sighting that we frequently hear about from there is the drowning victim. They, I guess they assume it's the, the boy who drowned in the lake. Um, because he likes to welcome visitors to the park. He hangs out near the entrance and there's also a pinwheel that's near the lake. That's a white pinwheel near the lake, And it'll do the same thing as the owl. It'll move even when there's no wind, but then it'll stop. Like yeah. kids lost interest again. Right. 
I mean, I know when I was a kid, if I lost interest as a toy, I just never played with it again. Or, or you know, you just put it down or you walk away from it. You, you find something else that's caught your eye for the day. I remember, I remember when I was a kid, I would play with toys and then I would forget about these toys I had and I would discover them like a week later. Like, oh, this is the best thing <laughs> ever. Right, right. <laughs> so, I mean, you think about it. If there really are children that are haunting this place, that, that seems like a likely behavior for them. Um, so, other hauntings. Um, Jewel White which who is Gaylord's wife said that there was an image captured that she believes to be her son who passed away on a bus. He used to work on there. Right. Um, and that was captured one year during the, um, the, the, the Halloween events they do. Cause originally when they started doing Halloween events, they kind of started out as like, um, just like ghost stories and like campfire, that kind of stuff, more right. like a fall fest. And then recently they changed it to like a creepy, like spooky haunted carnival thing. And she felt like that was him saying to her that it was okay that they were doing that. Right. Um, I guess there's a security video showing the Ferris wheel bar being unfastening. Yeah, like the which, lap bar. Uh, White's wife believes it's her the ghost of her husband like checking the rides yeah yeah so she she said he was always worried about the locks on the well i would be too when it's like you know right if there's a kid drowning and then someone got backed into while they're enjoying the swings yeah so the the thing the irony in all of this i guess is that this land feels like it should very much fit the haunted um like the the burial ground trope like from poltergeist and it doesn't at all like because there's no there's no sightings of like in like no i don't want to say indians but native americans mm-hmm. you know trying to be somewhat politically correct <laughs> but no it's just like it's just friendly ghosts hanging out and wanting to interact with the people that come to see them. You'd be like, hi, thank you for coming to see me. Yeah. Like, yeah. I will totally go swing with this little girl now. <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the creepiest thing about the place is kind of just the visuals of it. Like right. this, and there are awesome pictures. And I'd like to go even just to take pictures. It's just terrifying to look at, it, though. It's creepy to look at because it's like, it's almost post-apocalyptic in a way. Right. That That's what I was getting ready to say. It looks very much post-apocalyptic. It's just like any time. It, it's almost like seeing video from like where they fly drones into Chernobyl because it just got abandoned. Right. All at once. And there's that park at, in Chernobyl. that mm-hmm. made, That's what it makes me think of. Mm-hmm. Which I will have up on in, Instagram what images that we can find. Um, it comes out the same time as what the podcast comes out. Um, there's really not a whole lot to this story. No, but it's one of the places in West Virginia I thought we should cover because I feel like it's pretty, uh, they get huge crowds around in October for mm-hmm. their Halloween stuff just because it's a fun place to visit. I mean, if you're looking for somewhere to go, that's going to be, you might catch something paranormal but you're not likely to catch something, you know, staying with you or right like, attaching itself to you, coming home with you. Some of the scarier things that go along with our investigating, like mm-hmm. this, feels like a safe, safer place, a fun place to go visit. 
maybe you'll see something, maybe you won't, but you get to have fun either way. Yeah, exactly. And like, even if you're not into the whole spooky side of things, it's like an amazing historical. Right, right. Movie. Like there, uh, the history of this place was so rich. That's how I ended up. I literally, I was, I was the one that did research this week. And I found a bunch of articles and I actually ended up writing like what amounted to like a two page paper on this place because it was so fascinating. But I just every detail I wanted to get as much as I could into the paper. Guys, she sourced this paper. We have web links at the bottom of our uh, note sheets. I just wanted to know. I was trying to be nice and reference things as they came up. (laughs) But um, I was looking, there is a website for Lake Shawnee itself. It's wvlakeshawnee.com. Okay. Um, right now they are not open for tours or anything like that. They do have daytime tours and nighttime tours. I would like to, if we get to go, I'd like to do a nighttime tour, obviously. I would, I would almost like to do both. Right. Like okay. go one day, do a daytime, and then go back like maybe a couple months later and do a nighttime. I would like to have that visual. Of that. Okay. And see, cool. see if like there, we have any more action during the night or during the day. Because you figure okay. the park's not going to be open at night, so maybe the paranormal won't be as active at night. That's a good That's a good theory, because, you know, everybody's like, oh, we got to go capture everything at night. And I'm like, ghosts don't just interact with things at night. Right. Of course, you know, that that's the, the motif set by TV shows. Ghosts are only out oh, at night. Oh, it's the whole, the idea the of, scene, like, you know? the witching hour and that sort of thing. And it, that's not the only time you get interactions. Right. Right. Correct me wrong, like the witching hour is like 1 a.m. 3 a.m. 3 a.m. My ass is going to be in bed around that time. (laughs) So our ghost ghost hunts, when we go do them, or I should say investigations, because I like... It's not just going to be ghosts. I do intend, I want to go. Okay. I I have a a question I will ask as we're doing the podcast. Can we go to Ma National Forest and go to Fish for Fun? Yes. Okay. Yeah. We're going to do that as an investigation because I have no idea what I encountered there. And if you haven't seen my TikTok about that, you should go check it out because it's an interesting story. It's on the Mountain Lore Research Society TikTok. Yes. Yes, it is. It's It's actually the first video we ever posted on that TikTok. So if you scroll all the way to the bottom, you will see um, Annie talking about her experience camping there. Um, It is a very interesting story. Yeah, definitely check it out. It's very scary. Um, We're going to wrap things up with this. Um, since that's pretty much the history of it, um, like all the things we do on our podcast, we are probably will revisit this down the line somewhere. Yeah. Once we get to explore it, we'll give you our experiences first. No, I wouldn't say firsthand, but a firsthand retelling of what we experienced. Right. Right. Yeah. And now we're not promising, oh, you know, the little girl uh, was swinging with me, but we can tell you whether we got the vibe or if like flat out nothing happened. Right. And I don't want to be one of those investigation teams that goes and every time we investigate something, we're going to find something. Because that's, not happen. that's not realistic no. to expect. No. That's, that's not going to happen with any investigation. I mean, you want to go in, but you, you need to go in with that skeptic's point of view. Because you can go in looking for something, what's your brain going to do? It, your brain will convince you that something has happened. If exactly. you're looking for that... You have to go in and say, okay, these are the, like, you have to know these are the things that have happened before, but this probably won't happen to me. And if it does, cool. But if it doesn't, right, (laughs) that's it. And that's part of the reason why we like doing the podcast and doing the history 
of these places first. We, mm-hmm. we approach the history before we even talk about the paranormal and the sightings because we want to give you guys that knowledge of, you know, if I, we just started to be like, so one day this, these swings moved because this girl used to uh, swing on them and she died. Right. You know, you're not going to know like the how and the why and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah. So I, I feel like it's important. And I, I had a lot of fun putting the, the history <laughs> together this time. So that we, might be something I do from now on. <laughs> Well, I enjoyed doing the research and stuff, too. Yeah. Um, I I love the spook of the days that I do. Yeah, those are fun. That gives us... it's And it's they're usually quick reads, like, yeah. no more than five minutes. I also enjoy Michael's spook of the day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's usually I'll find a webpage that tells, like, the history and the story, and I'll post... Sometimes they'll have, like, a personal experience attached to them, mm-hmm. just... Or, like, photos. A lot of times it's a lot of... It's, like, bloggers that have posted photos, yeah. too. Speaking of personal stories, feel free to send us your personal stories. I, we want to do an episode in the future of personal ghost stories of our listeners and things that have happened to us. Um, we're we're going to talk to some people in the community and mm-hmm. see if we can get something set up because I feel like that would be a lot of fun. So we already have our, pretty much have our three, the next three episodes planned out and they're all kind of going to feed off of each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had a couple, couple requests of stuff to do. So, and we really want to touch base on it and we're going to have, hopefully not next week, but the week after we're going to have some interviews to go along with our Yeah, that would be great. Right. Um, not going to give you quite what's, what the deal is. But maybe you can figure it out yeah. when we do our next episode. <laughs> and I will say, if you do send us our, send us your story and I know that we have, like we slip up and we have foul language on our show, but we would appreciate if your stories are, you know, cleaner, cleaner, PG 13, you, know. you get one F bomb. <laughs> if, if your story has a gruesome past and stuff to it, that's one thing, but you don't have to drop the F-bomb every other time. I'm not saying that anyone has that has contacted us, but for our record we just, and stuff like that, we want the stories that we post to be clean from other people because we can control what we say. We can defend ourselves if we say something, but we can't defend people. Exactly. Right, right. Uh, we can't come to your defense if you say something that offends somebody else. That That's yeah. on you. <laughs> Um, also, if you send us, send us our story, send us your story, sorry, um, you can send us a message with your name and your address or a way to send something back to you and we will send you a small little gift. Mm-hmm. It might be a keychain, it might be a decal. But so. we definitely appreciate, as we're starting, the interaction. It helps us grow tremendously. So um, we're going to leave the links here in a second. Yeah, the links are following here. So until next time, guys. Follow us on Facebook, TikTok, and Instagram. Donate on Coffee or Cash App. The link tree is in the description. Tag us with hashtag SpookOTD. Bye, guys. Until next time, stay spooky. Okay, thanks. Bye.